Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and... Wow, I feel like we have so much to catch up on. A couple weeks ago was my Halloween special episode, which I had pre-recorded because that week I was out at two back-to-back conferences, and then last week I lost my voice completely following those two back-to-back conferences, so thank you, Tatiana Taylor-Tate, for stepping up and covering my butt last week with a recording because my voice was completely gone. And yeah, it just feels like it's only been a couple weeks, but I feel like I haven't sat behind this microphone in ages. So I'm so excited to be back and officially recording again. Before we jump into the episode, I do want to catch you up on what the past couple weeks has looked like. First of all, there's been just a ton of planning from Tatiana and I for the Level Up Your Listing Summit, and we only have a few more early bird tickets left, like five more, I think. And that's it. Once they're gone and the prices go up, the prices go up, and that is it. So if you have been sitting on the fence about it, the dates are February 27th, 28th, and March 1st. If you've been sitting on the fence, go get those tickets today. If you have missed me talking about the summit previously, what Level Up Your Listing Summit is, is a three-day all-women's short-term rental event. And it's for experienced hosts, it's for new hosts, it's for people curious about hosting. We're going to give you such a wide range of topics in the short-term rental industry, so you're truly going to get exposure to every single way that you can do this business. So even if you're experienced, you're going to hear different models of hosting or different ways that you can improve or try something different. And if you're brand new, you're going to just get thrown into everything all at once and be able to walk away from there figuring out which type of hosting really works for you. And the fact that it's an all women's event is just letting Tatiana and I put such a fun creative spin on the whole thing like the the mean girls quotes and just the fun references and design that you're gonna see it's just giving us so much permission to just have as much fun with the event as we want to and so especially if you're a woman which is like 90% of my audience you're you're gonna want to be there so I will leave it at that head to the show notes below for the link to purchase your ticket and again grab it fast because once early bird tickets are gone they are gone you will never see that price again Okay, and now I want to fill you in very quickly before we jump into this episode on what I did at two back-to-back conferences and why I lost my voice. It was definitely worth it. I got so much out of being in Vegas and then San Francisco, five days powering through, and I was so exhausted and completely wiped out, but it was 
such a great experience. First, I went to Vegas for three days for VRMA, V-R-M-A, which is the Vacation Rental Managers Association annual conference. And this year it was in Vegas. I had never been before, but it is the biggest industry trade show out there. And I've actually never been to anything like this in my entire life. I think there was like 3,000 people in attendance and so many sponsors. It's just a huge convention hall of every single company that supports the vacation rental industry in any way, from pricing algorithm softwares, platform management softwares, uh, guest screening services, furniture wholesalers and discounts, uh, guest communication platforms, like truly anything you can think of that would be a business that's in the short-term rental industry is at VRMA. It was just such a cool experience to walk through the huge convention hall and just get to meet company after company after company, see what they're doing, see demos of the tech, meet the team behind it, and then be able to regroup and think, which ones do we really like and really love what they're doing? And you know, think that they're at a good price point for hosts and doing something valuable that's really helpful. And I just feel like we handpicked such an all-star lineup of companies that we're going to be working with for Level Up Your Listing Summit and just paying attention to things like, are the companies compatible? Will they integrate well? If you use this pricing software, will it work with this PMS? So just know that we are thinking through every single detail so that the sponsors we do have, you're actually going to be able to use their product and and work with them and bring them on board into your into your hosting business. So I'm very excited for that and stay tuned as we sign on sponsors for the event in the coming months. I'm just really excited to have on you know the founders of these companies and marketing reps come on the podcast and talk about these services and what they can do to help propel your business and automate things for you and make your job as a host easier so that you're not working in your short-term rental business, but instead you can focus on how to scale and keep growing. Straight from there, I had the opportunity to fly to San Francisco to see Airbnb headquarters. I've never toured the headquarters in person. I've never been there before until now. And it was such an honor to be invited to go as an Airbnb ambassador It's just so weird to think that five years ago, I downloaded an app called Airbnb. I had stayed there a couple times before as a guest, but downloaded it as a host to list my parents' place for one winter. And here it is five years later that I do this full time. I teach how to host now. I'm hosting nine listings. And now I got to be invited by Airbnb themselves to go see headquarters sit in the room with the product development team, give our feedback as ambassadors of things that we think work well on the platform and things that don't. Yeah, that was just so surreal and so cool. And I'm so honored to have been invited and to meet all the other ambassadors that I've gotten to know just through Instagram over the last year and finally meet them in person. So while I was at Airbnb HQ, we got to see a bunch of exclusive first peeks into a ton of new changes coming to the Airbnb platform. They don't get announced until November 16th, and we've been sworn to secrecy and had to sign NDAs, so I cannot talk about the changes yet. 
Brian Chesky did tweet out a few spoilers of the update, so you may have seen a few things fluttering around the internet on what's to come, but there is so much more than just what he teased. So after November 16th, when all those announcements officially come out, we will do a bonus episode officially breaking down the new platform and what that means for for hosts and what we can do with the changes. So stay tuned for that. But until then, I cannot say anything and it's killing me because these changes are so good. All right. I think that that has been sufficient enough of a recap of the last couple weeks of my life. So let's jump into today's episode. Today, I want to take it back to square one, back to the basics and go through how to set up your property. Even if your property is already set up, listen to this one because I promise I'm going to give you some new ways to think about how to use each room. What I want to do today is go room by room on how I would set up each property in a short-term rental. Keep in mind, some of the stuff I say is going to depend on what kind of market you're in, right? In a mountain listing, you really want to make sure that your living room has a very cozy vibe and probably a fireplace. In a beach listing, that's not going to be as important, but you want to make sure you have a floor that's easier to clean when it comes to sand getting in. So all these tips, you're going to have to take them and apply them to your market, but I want to talk about the general hospitality of how each room should be used, what to focus on in each space, and how to make it comfortable for guests across the board in any market. And I'm really, really excited that for this episode, I am partnering up with Minoan. Minoan is a service that is completely 100% free to hosts to use, and what Minoan does is it gets hosts amazing discounts on some of your favorite brands that you're probably already shopping from. Wayfair, Pottery Barn, CB2, West Elm, Parachute, Article, Anthropology, Urban Outfitters Home. I promise you have something from some of these brands in your listings. There's no way that you don't already, but you probably paid full price for it when you could be getting 40, 50, or 60% off just by shopping through Minoan instead. These brands that I just listed, plus over 200 others, realize that having their products in short-term rentals is an amazing way to get these products in front of tons of brand new eyeballs every few days. And it gives guests a chance to experience these products firsthand how they actually would at home. It just makes it so much more likely that guests are going to want to purchase these items for their own homes. These brands recognize that, and so they are competing for the real estate that they can get by having their product in your space. That's why they are willing to give these really steep discounts to hosts. Minoan comes in and leverages those discounts for us so that we can take advantage of this amazing purchasing power that we have as hosts. So for today's episode, like I said, we're going to go room by room and talk about how I would set up each room in a rental property, and I'm really excited to partner with Minoan for this. When you listen to this episode, I want you to follow the show notes because I have put together a room by room furniture checklist and a blog post on how I would set up each room. So even after you hear everything here, you can reference it in a written format in a checklist format so that when you head over to the Minoan dashboard to purchase all this stuff, you have a checklist to guide you through and then you can check off that you're getting those discounts on every single item. 
So let's kick this off by talking about the bedrooms first. To me, the most important thing to think about in a bedroom of a short-term rental is that mostly this space is used for people to be in bed, whether they're sleeping or doing other things, okay? One of the biggest mistakes I often see hosts make in the bedroom is they think that they have to go for a smaller bed size in order to create a lot of space and room around the bed in the bedroom. You don't need to. People are booking vacation rentals because they want to spend time in the common areas in the living room and dining room and kitchen with whoever else is in their group. The way I see it is if it was just a couple booking who plans to spend all day hanging out in a single bedroom, they could book a hotel instead. So you have to get in the mind of why these people are booking a vacation rental specifically. In my opinion, that's to hang out in the common areas, which is why I think the priority in the bedroom needs to be a bigger bed. Do not worry about having all this room to walk around the bed. If people are mostly spending time in the bedroom, sleeping in the bed, that's what you need to focus on. So here, bigger is better. If you feel that a queen bed is just a little bit too tight and you're thinking you want to go full instead, just trust me on this. Get the queen bed. Better yet, if you can fit a king, fit a king. King beds are one of the most searched for amenities on Airbnb right now. People want a bigger bed. It's very hard for two people to sleep in a full-size bed. The only time I make exceptions for bunk beds or twin beds is if there's a very intentional strategy behind that. So maybe if you are a home in Orlando catering towards families really close to Disney World and, you know, there's a strategy of having a whole kid's room there, that makes sense. But other than that, queen beds or kings if possible. You're also, of course, going to want a comfortable mattress, comfortable bedding, and blackout curtains are a really big one here as well. You just want to make sure you're prioritizing quality of sleep since that is mostly what your guests are doing in the bedrooms. Another really big thing for me anytime I'm setting up a bedroom for a short-term rental is you want things within reach while you are laying in bed. So it is not enough to just have one ceiling lamp one ceiling fan with a light on it and a switch by the door. That is so annoying that people have to turn off the switch over by the door and then walk over in the dark to get into bed. You want to make sure that you have side tables or nightstands on both sides of the bed. Do not shove the bed up against one corner of the wall so that one person is sandwiched in and doesn't have a side table and has to crawl over the other person to go to the bathroom, okay? You want to make sure that there is room on either side of the bed with side tables or nightstands, reading lamps on each side. You want the light switches right there, easy to turn on and off chargers. If there's one outlet that's behind the bed, put extension cords on either side out to the nightstands from behind the bed so that people don't have to get out of bed and crawl around and move the furniture and drag your bed out from the wall to plug in their phone charger. Just sit in the bed. Better yet, spend a night there, but sit in the bed and use the space as if you were a guest. Try reaching over. If you don't want guests just putting their drinks on your night table, have coasters right there. If you want them to be able to reach chargers, have extension cords right there. If you want them to be able to reach a lamp, have a lamp right there. Uh, What happens when they step out of bed? Are they stepping onto cold tile or hardwood? Put a rug underneath the bed. So just really sit in bed and think about how the space is getting used. 
A couple final points to think about in the bedroom is that this is where people are going to be getting dressed before they go out into the common areas. So make sure that there are full length mirrors here, an iron or an ironing board or a steamer, something where they can make themselves presentable in the room, a luggage rack or a bench at the foot of the bed, somewhere where they can set their luggage not on the floor. And of course, make sure that there is room to hang things. So if you have a closet, are there actually hangers in the closet? Or do you have some coat hooks or something around the room? One thing I caution you here is don't put hooks behind the door because people will hang things on there. And then when they're checking out, the door will be open. They won't look behind it and they'll forget things. But you still want some places for your guests to hang things. So here is, let's quickly run through my complete list of everything I would have in a bedroom. Bed, queen or king size, mattress, waterproof and bed bug proof mattress cover, bed sheets, duvet, pillows, extra blankets, blackout curtains, nightstands, reading lamps, a luggage rack or bench, dresser, full length mirror, hangers, iron, ironing board or steamer artwork or some sort of wall hanging, and extension cords for phone chargers. And again, don't feel like you have to have written all that down. If you head to the show notes, I have this full checklist. So with that, let's move on to bathrooms. When it comes to bathrooms, the big thing to remember here is shelf space and countertop space and places to hang towels. It is shocking to me how often simple things like this get forgotten, but you have to realize that your guests are coming in with all of their toiletries, hair curlers, hair straighteners. In your own bathroom, maybe you can get away with not having a lot of shelf space because you've got things tucked away in all these cabinets, vanities. Your guests are bringing in all of their toiletries and they need room to spread out and get ready. So if you have a pedestal sink or some sort of setup where there's just not a lot of counter space, I would A, encourage you to maybe reconfigure that or if you're building or renovating, please come up with a sink configuration that gives a lot of counter space. But if you're really not able to give a lot of counter space to your guests, shelves, they need shelves above the toilet or behind them on the wall. Somewhere you need shelves in the bathroom because people are coming in with all sorts of skincare, makeup, hair products, all sorts of stuff. So make sure that you're giving them ample shelf space and hooks, hooks or towel racks. People need to be able to hang things like their robes, their clothes when they get out of the shower, their towels, of course. You also want to make sure that your bathroom has good lighting and is actually a good place to get ready. And after that, my favorite thing about bathrooms for short-term rentals is how cheap it is to upgrade the experience so drastically. Here's what I'm talking about. Two mason jars, one filled with cotton balls, one filled with Q-tips. A mason jar is probably 99 cents, so you can grab two of those for two bucks, and cotton balls and Q-tips are so dirt cheap. Just something like that though elevates the experience so much. Next, I love to provide washcloths for my guests in addition to bath towels and hand towels. Having washcloths is great because people do not travel with their own washcloths or loofahs and not just that, it's going to help with people taking off makeup so you're not getting your actual nice bath towel stained. But having a cheap little basket that you put the washcloths in immediately elevates the way that they're presented. It's cute. It's functional. Next, having things like a toilet brush and toilet plunger. So, so helpful. The last thing you ever want is 
A, for your toilet to be clogged, but also you don't want your guest to have the embarrassing experience of having to contact you or walk out into the common area and ask if there's a plunger or toilet brush in one of the other restrooms. If they leave some skid marks in the toilet bowl or manage to clog the toilet, you want them to be able to have a toilet brush and toilet plunger right there and take care of that. And you can find really cute toilet brush and plunger sets that are not going to be ugly, obnoxious, utilitarian, but something that's more stylish and still functional. I love having hand soap and lotion in my bathrooms and also shampoo, conditioner, and body wash in the showers. And of course, I always put these in non-branded refillable dispensers. I think that there's nothing more tacky than just a branded shampoo and conditioner bottle that says Pantene, Herbal Essences, whatever it is. Just get these non-branded refillable dispensers to transfer everything into. It looks so much more chic and elevated. Or even better, if you use a brand like Public Goods, which Minoan does carry at a really good discount for hosts, that is a beautifully branded bottle that doesn't scream obnoxious branding. It's just a very simple, effortless look that's going to look good in any bathroom, in any theme. And one of the final things I love to include in every short-term rental bathroom is a bath mat, but specifically pick one that you can easily wash between every single guest. I hate the ones that are really, really thick and have that like rubbery grip underneath them. You know which ones I'm talking about. They just don't bend or ply very well those ones just don't hold up in the washing machine and I think that hosts that provide those do not wash them between every guest which grosses me out so much so please pick a really nice fluffy plush bath mat that can actually be thrown in with the laundry between every single guest so let's quickly run through my checklist of everything to include in your bathroom. Shampoo, conditioner, body wash, hand soap, and lotion in non-branded or very simple branded refillable dispensers, cotton balls and Q-tips in cute jars, air freshener spray, a bath mat, towel hooks, a basket with washcloths, a shower curtain with a plastic liner, a cute toilet brush and plunger, toilet paper, a hair dryer, and I also love one of those little bags that says hair dryer that keeps the ugly hair dryer in it so that the cord isn't just spread all over, but it's nice and tidy in a little bag. Shelves, shelf space, counter space, a mirror, and good lighting. Moving on to the living room, the big thing to remember in a living room is that it has to comfortably fit the amount of people that the entire listing is advertised for. If you are saying that your entire place can sleep 10 people, you better have a way for 10 people to sit comfortably in the living room. So make sure that you have a couch that's big enough, armchairs that can fit enough people, an ottoman, a coffee table, an area rug big enough to surround this whole area where people will gather. Think of those kinds of things and how to actually make it comfortable for the advertised amount of people. Bonus points if your couch is a pullout couch. Of course, you want to make sure it is an actually comfortable pullout couch, not a super thin spring mattress type, but something that's actually going to be comfortable for people and that will help you sleep an extra couple people, which of course helps you charge a higher nightly rate. Another big thing with the living room, even though I know we're talking about putting in quite a bit of furniture so that it is able to fit everyone comfortably, 
You also want to remove any furniture that you don't actually need. For example, if you can, I really like taking out TV stands and wall mounting TVs instead. You have so many people gathered in this space and it's an area they're unfamiliar with. In your own home, when you're maneuvering around, you kind of naturally know the pathway of your house and where to walk to sort of avoid bumping into things. But when people are in this space for the first time ever, and especially when there's multiple people gathered for the first time, they've never been here before, they're going to be bumping into things. You have to just make their path of navigation around your living room as easy as possible. So if you can take out a TV stand and wall mount that TV instead, do it. If you can remove any floor lamps and hardwire some sconces, do it. And bonus points if those hardwired sconces are all on dimmers because there's nothing I love more than ambient lighting in a common area. So let's quickly run through my complete checklist of everything in a living room. A couch and bedding for the pullout couch if it is able to be pulled out. Throw pillows, throw blankets, armchairs, seating for everybody. An ottoman or coffee table. A nice big area rug. Big trick here. Always go bigger with the area rug than you think you should. This is a huge thing that I see all the time is people buying area rugs that are too small. If you need help, go to Pinterest and put in the measurements of your living room and just search for an area rug measurement guide. There are so many really, really good infographics on Pinterest that will help you get the right rug size, but in most cases, go bigger than you think you need to. A smart TV, a Roku TV is my personal favorite, so a smart TV and wall-mounted if you can. A nice organized Wi-Fi hub. You don't want these cords and wires sticking out all over the place. So a nice basket that you can put everything in with a lid on top so it's not getting covered in dust and it's out of the way, but you still want it accessible for guests if they ever do need to reset the router or anything like that. I love having a little basket filled with board games, a printed welcome book, and that ambient lighting. Next, for the dining room or dining area, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but please, for your dining area, make sure there's actually enough seating for the advertised number of people. Again, if you're going to advertise for 10 people, you want 10 people to be able to actually sit and gather around together. If you really cannot fit 10 people together at the dining table, at least lay out the home in a way where the dining table is positioned close to the kitchen island and have your additional bar stools there or have another side table that's close enough by where people can move it over and have some fold out chairs that they can open. That's not my ideal situation. I don't like the idea of my guests having to open up all this furniture and be dragging it and setting things up. But if you're really pressed on space, try to be creative about those things. But you have to make sure that there is a seat for every single butt that's going to be in your place. And just just make it easy on your guests. If you don't want your guests taking a red sauce pasta dinner over to your couch and eating it there, set it up for them so that they don't have to do that because there's enough seating area at the dining table or at the kitchen island and they don't have to meander over and sit on the couch with their food. Just set your guests up for success. Another big thing here is placemats. If you don't want people putting their hot plates on the table directly or getting food on there or scratching the table over time, Provide placemats for them. Get cute ones that can sit in the center of the dining table at all times so that they're not 
hidden or shoved away in a kitchen drawer and never actually get used, but find some cute ones that can be in the middle of the dining table at all times. Put a cute centerpiece over that. The trick here is not a fragile centerpiece because as soon as people sit down and gather, they will move the centerpiece. I promise you they will take it off the dining table and put it somewhere on the floor so it's not in the way when they're eating. So do not put a fragile centerpiece. And my final dining room tip is personally, I would avoid doing any sort of upholstered or fabric chair at the dining table. In your own home, if you know that you can handle having food near something upholstered, go for it. I think it's a beautiful look, but in a short-term rental, you just want to keep in mind that people are not going to treat the space as well as you would. So I like to avoid anything upholstered. A simple wooden chair is really good. You can still find really beautiful, elegant ones. And if you want that extra cushion, you can get a thin little pad for the chair. And those are washable or I mean, they're pretty cheap. They're like 15 bucks a cushion. So you can throw that out if you ever need to. So let's run through quickly my complete dining room list. Your dining table, enough chairs, not upholstered for the advertised number of people, placemats that are cute enough to be out all of the time, a centerpiece that's cute but not fragile, some sort of hanging light fixture over the dining table, and again, bonus points if you can put that on a dimmer switch and get that ambient lighting, and some sort of artwork wall hanging or mirror behind the dining table. Next, let's run through the kitchen. So your kitchen doesn't have a lot of furniture typically, right? You're not bringing in a sofa or armchairs or anything crazy like that, but you are going to have probably a kitchen island area with some bar stools or counter stools. Besides that, you do have a huge checklist in the kitchen. Even though there's no furniture, there's so much between all of your glasses, wine glasses, mugs, dishes, cooking utensils, pots and pans, all of that stuff. So this one is a longer list we're going to run through. And because of that, I've seen how easy it is to get overwhelmed in the kitchen as a host, as a cleaner, and as a guest. And so I am very big on providing the essentials, but other than that, keeping your kitchen pretty minimal. So I want to run through this list in terms of what you need, but also what you don't need. So here is my list of what I do provide in every short-term rental kitchen I set up. Coffee maker, electric kettle, water filter, toaster, microwave, silverware set, knife set, wood cutting board, very important. Wood ones just look so much better over time than those plastic ones that get stained very quickly with food. Water glasses, mugs, wine glasses, bowls, plates, mixing bowls, measuring cups, spoons, cooking utensils, pots, pans, pot holders, baking sheets, casserole dishes, trivets, colanders, wine slash bottle openers, can openers, scissors, salt, pepper, olive oil, dish soap, dishwasher pods, dish sponges, a dish towel, paper towels, a paper towel holder, a trash can, and a welcome basket where you're going to provide tea, coffee, creamer, sugar, granola bars, whatever extras you want to give to your guests. I also love having some sort of caddy under the kitchen sink that organizes all these cleaning supplies, dish pods, etc., sponges. Now here are the things you didn't hear me list off. I do not ever include in my short-term rentals food processors, panini presses, pasta makers, waffle makers. I'm even a bit iffy on including blenders. Uh, in beach listings, 
maybe that makes more sense for you. People are going to be making smoothies and stuff if they're in a warmer climate. But in my mountain listings, I do not have blenders in any of my listings. And I think I've only ever been asked for one once in over a thousand reservations. The thing with these extra appliances is even though it seems like your guests are going to want them, and I know that as new hosts, we are trying to do the best we can, and we're so scared that a guest is going to ask us for something we find out we don't have, but you really don't need those kinds of appliances. And again, this is all depending on your area and who you're targeting. If you're advertising that you have a chef's kitchen, you're going to need to step up to the plate and provide all those things. But for a basic short-term rental kitchen, it is just too much for your cleaner to handle all the inventory and extra parts that these appliances bring. It's too much on you to keep track of, and it's just chaos for your guests. It's too many parts that they're going to have to navigate in a kitchen that they're totally unfamiliar with. My big rule of thumb in the kitchen is that I always like to provide just enough to where your guests could make a complete pasta dinner start to finish. So of course that includes pots and pans to boil water and saute some sort of sauce on the side. Uh, You'll want some sort of casserole dish if they want to do a lasagna, a baking sheet for them to do garlic bread, big bowls that they can mix salads in, strainers for the pasta. Think, think of it like that, a good knife set, a cutting board, and you'll be just fine if you just walk through the process of making a complete start-to-finish pasta dinner with appetizers, with garlic bread, with sides. And the final area of any short-term rental that I want to run through setting up with you is the outdoor area. Do not underestimate the outdoor area of your STR. Outdoor areas are huge right now on Airbnb. They're not necessarily a filtered by searched for amenity. I don't really think that there's a way to filter just outdoor area, but people are filtering by hot tubs, fire pits, barbecue. So think of things like that. Those amenities that would be included in the outdoor space, those are the boxes you want to be ticking off. It also just looks really good in photos to show a nice outdoor atmosphere. So the things that I like to include in the outdoor setup are nice outdoor furniture. And I'm going to say it again. I know you're going to kill me, but have enough outdoor seating for everyone advertised for in your listing. I love when the outdoor furniture is gathered around something, some sort of focal point. I'm thinking a fire pit here. That's a really nice touch to have. String lights above the whole area, hammocks or some swing chairs are a really fun thing that photograph great and just help create that cozy, fun atmosphere. I really like including lawn games, cornhole sets, giant connect fours, giant Jengas, a bocce ball set, or even a beer pong table. I know that we're all super scared of parties, but there are ways you could do it that make it more tasteful and classy than just inviting a rager in your place. Uh, If you guys listened to the episode that we had with Vanessa Aguirre, who is the face behind the Femme House Nash and Femme House Scottsdale branded bachelorette party themed houses. She has a branded beer pong table in her listings that has this really cute branded Femme House decal on it. And she provides pink solo cups to lean into that entire atmosphere and brand. So there are ways you could do it. I'm picturing like a cabin doing I don't know, some sort of wooden beer pong table and you could, I don't know, wood brand 
antlers or something into the design of the table, you could make it a really, really cool focal point. And I think that if you take pride in the setup here, your guests are going to recognize that and hopefully, fingers crossed, not trash it, but just respectfully play on the beer pong table setup. And if you provide solo cups for it, and you could do some cuter ones, black ones or something, or pick a color that fits the theme of your home, little details like that are such a nice touch. And of course, if it's in the budget, and if you can swing it and handle the maintenance on it, a hot tub. Hot tubs are such, such good booking amenities right now. They are one of the top search for amenities on Airbnb. They have been for a long time. That's not changing anytime soon. So if you have it in the budget and don't mind the upkeep on it, hot tub all the way. And while we're talking about setting up the outdoor area, I have to talk about the curb appeal and the front entrance and the front porch. This is the last point I want to cover in this entire discussion of setting up a short-term rental, but make sure that the curb appeal is there, that when people are pulling up, it's easy to see the house numbers, the landscaping is nicely done, you've got nice, even paved steps up to the front. It's easy to get to the front door. It's easy to find the lockbox or better yet, you've got a smart lock keypad right on the front door. You've got a nice, clean welcome mat. Uh, There's no paint chipping in the front. Your gutters are clean. Think of those things. Make sure that you've got motion sense lights. So if people are checking in late at night, they can still navigate their way around. So just be sure to think through that process of what time of day your guests are checking in and the fact that they've never been here before and are not familiar with the place. Help them out as much as possible by making their check-in beautiful, easy, and seamless. So for this week's Airbnb quick tip... I already said it, but head to the show notes below to follow that link to the blog post that I wrote for this week's episode and the complete checklist to setting up every single room in your short-term rental, including the outdoor space. Of all the things that you can talk about in the short-term rental industry and of all the different topics that there are to discuss, I will die on the hill that setting up your listing is hands down one of the most important parts of being a host because your setup process can really make or break how easy it is for you to manage this as a business. It's going to affect your entire guest experience, the reviews you're getting, your ease of cleaning and upkeeping the property, how beautiful it is and how well it's booking. And so you want to make sure that this is an area where you are getting good quality, but that doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on price and spend an arm and a leg either. I'm so thankful to Minoan for helping me out with this week's episode and partnering up for this blog post. And I really want you for this week's Airbnb quick tip to head to that blog post and of course, check out Minoan. Their dashboard is completely free to use and you as a host will absolutely fall in love with the discounts that they are able to get you so that you can furnish your property beautifully, efficiently, and affordably. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, I actually had a follower who is a host, but she sent me a series of screenshots when she was trying to book a place as a guest. And these messages that she got back from the management company are shocking and so disappointing to read. And very quickly, you guys will see why I chose to feature this and why this lovely follower, Tracy, I think send this to me. So I will not name the management company that she is referring to, but uh, if any of you have ever used a management company for your listing or have stayed 
in a listing that was subpar and managed by a management company, it's very likely that you have personally encountered this management company. So I will leave it at that and you can guess from there who I may be referring to. But let's jump into these messages. For quick context, this follower was trying to book a place in Florida post Hurricane Ian and was just asking questions, very reasonable questions about any damage that could have been done to the home or surrounding area. So here we go. Hi, what does it cost to heat the pool for a week? And also what damage from Hurricane Ian in your area is there? Are restaurant services, etc. affected? I assume the beaches are out of commission. She got an automated response from this property management company that says, Hello, we're thrilled that you're considering a stay with, insert property management company name, for your next trip, and we'd love to host you. When you stay with us, you'll get a whole private home to yourself that's guaranteed to be clean, vetted, and true to what you booked online. Please note that this is an automated response confirming that we've received your message, so additional action may be required if you need. Our 24-7 guest support team will be happy to answer any questions after you book, but in the meantime, here are the answers to some of our most commonly asked questions on Airbnb. Pricing, then they go through some pricing suggestions, uh, questions about pet policies, age restrictions, minimum night stays, house rules, etc. They go through all of that. And then they wrap up and say, we hope this was helpful. If your question is still not addressed, you may reply to this message with more assistance, please, and one of our hospitality team members will respond to you. All right. From there, this potential guest said, more assistance, please. And they did respond to her telling her the cost of heating the pool. They then said, we are not local to the area and do not have information regarding the extent of damage done to businesses, etc. or the status of the beaches. You will likely have to do independent research for the area. If you have additional questions, please let us know. So she followed up and said, thank you for the information regarding the pool. Would the owners not be able to provide some info that you can forward? Can they at least confirm that the house is not damaged in any way? We have booked after previous hurricanes in Florida, and the booking company was always able to give us specific information from people with boots on the ground. We are eager to book this home and feel it is reasonable to ask. No response, and it looks like, I don't even know, hours later, maybe the next day, I can't tell, uh... She still hadn't heard back and said, hi, will I be receiving further information? And that was it. The management company ignored her from there and never replied. So needless to say, I don't think she ended up going on to book this listing. But I want to talk about this because, you know, reading this, it's definitely clear that the management company could have phrase things slightly better. But I don't think that this is completely black and white, that management company is 100% in the wrong, 100% the Airbnb hole. So there's actually a couple things that the management company did here that I do like. And first of all, I really like that automated message that they sent to start. And I say that cautiously because I do think that one of the really great things about booking an Airbnb is that you are often talking to the owner and automated messages are not standard. However, at the same time, as we are growing as hosts and scaling up, I think that there are 
cases where we have to welcome some automation. And I think that as far as automated messages go, that's a pretty good one. They address all the immediate points, uh, the questions that they tend to get most often, and still say, if you do have further questions that weren't answered, let us know and we'll get back to you ASAP. Of course, it's not going to answer every single question, but as hosts, I think we've seen from enough messages that you know, most questions people ask, we've heard before. Not every guest is reinventing the wheel with some brand new question. And so there are definitely ways that you can automate those early messages. And I think that this was a good one that answered the most common questions up front, plus any additional ones that the guests may not have thought of or just didn't want to ask because they didn't want to be bothersome. So you are putting all of that up front. So I think that's good. And I like that there's a protocol that if your question wasn't answered, you can ask for additional assistance. So up to there, a plus, they did a good job. After this point, when they refuse to answer the question about the damages and then just full on ignore the guest, that I don't love. And I want to say here, to an extent, I actually kind of get why the management company is hesitant to answer the question about the damages for the surrounding area. I do agree that it's not really the management company's responsibility to answer questions about what's damage around the area only because you don't want to be on the hook for things then not matching up. Even if me as a host goes out and verifies that a beach or a restaurant is not damaged and is open, something could change within a few days. Maybe, you know, half of the restaurant was working, but there's some follow-up damage that comes in the next week that I didn't know about, I give the wrong information, and now I'm somehow blamed because I couldn't anticipate that a restaurant or beach that I'm not affiliated with or associated with in any way is now closed. I don't ever want to put myself in that position as a host. So I do understand why the management company said, you know, for stuff like that in the surrounding area, you're on your own, you're going to have to look it up. But specifically about answering questions on damage to the home, that's very weird to me that they're so reluctant to just answer, no, there's no damage from the hurricane. And I, th that's where I think they dropped the ball. I think that they could have just tweaked their messaging slightly to not put them on the hook for having to answer about damages in the surrounding area. And I think that the guest, most normal guests would be receptive to that. If they just said something like, hey, we're so sorry, but we cannot be the ones to vouch for how the surrounding area looks, things are out of our control and we don't manage that. We don't want to be on the hook for giving you any inaccurate information. So please check Google for the most up-to-date information or call those businesses directly. I think that that's totally fair to do. Uh, but again, it's just, it's the way that it's communicated that instead of explaining why they can't give that information, it's just, hey, we're not local. We don't have any info. So here, you can, you can find that out yourself. That's where I think they lose it because just saying we're not local is not an excuse. Your guest does not care if you're not local. I'm not local to my listings. I live two hours away from them. But the way that I answer questions, you would never know that. I think bottom line here, this management company, which again, I will not name, I think that they are the Airbnb holes, but it's not because they weren't able to give the information. It's just because they explain it so poorly and seem to just not care about the guests' questions at all. I I defend them on the fact that they could not vouch for the damage in the area. And again, I wouldn't want to be on the hook for that and then somehow not having that information match up perfectly. But the way that I personally would answer it is, 
you know, I don't want to misspeak on anything. There's been a lot of crazy fallout since the hurricane, and we just want you to have the most up-to-date information. So here are a couple close-by restaurants that we recommend to our guests. I would give them a quick call directly and just see what their hours of operation are and if they're still serving customers at this time. I just think that there's a slightly different way they could have done it where it doesn't seem like they're just this really detached management company that doesn't care and isn't local, but that there's a strategy behind why they can't give you this information. So bottom line, I don't think there's a problem with scaling up and relying on automated messages and you as the host not necessarily being the boots on the ground and knowing everything going on in the area. As we grow, we do have to let go control of some of those things, but I think that there are classier ways to do it where you are not the Airbnb hole, which in this case, this management company was. And if I was the owner seeing these messages between my guest and the management company, I would be upset and I would feel like we just lost a booking that we didn't have to lose. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.